Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate Ryan's heartfelt prayers each Sunday. And uh, I probably should say, might have to start saying it more and more for some reason. Freedom, freedom gets a lot of distractions from God's word, so you might want to shut your cell phone off. You might want to get that pacifier out. Um, matter of fact, we love kids so much hit freedom. We, that's why our nursery is like the best in the state. You, you should put your kids in our nursery. Um, we might have to start paying people to take their kids <laughs> to the nursery if we have to. But before we start, <clears throat> let's talk about Israel. Let's talk about Israel. Of course, we have a precious missionary that we support over there in Israel, Seth Postel and his family. I know many of you have asked about that. And his sister Shauna texted me immediately and said, you know, to pray for Israel and that Seth and his family was okay. Obviously, it's just very concerning with what is going on in our world. So we want to pray for Israel. We want to pray for Seth and his family. Um, I just want to tell you all, though, that... Obviously, this stuff that's happening, it's just another sign that we're getting closer to the end. I was reading about Israel this week and what had happened and what was going on. Man, it was like people are being taken captive. I mean, it's like Old Testament times when people, evil people would come and take them captive. And, but underneath, I noticed, as I was reading about Israel, underneath, there were all these news headlines about all the earthquakes that are taking place, like in Hawaii and Afghanistan. They're all over the place, these earthquakes now, escalating, escalating. And of course, we know, Jesus said in the end, earthquakes, false Christ, false prophets, there are all kinds of false prophets in our world today, even creeping into the church on Christian television, saying false things, making false predictions, people making false religious predictions, people making false political predictions. And I'm going to tell you right now, when a person gets a prediction wrong, do not listen to them, the Bible says. They're done. You get no more chances. Okay? So... But just, it's all escalating in our world. Everything that Jesus said to look for as we approach the end is escalating before our eyes. And so we don't make dates. Jesus said no one, na- uh, no one knows the day or the hour. But these are things that we look for to keep us awake, to keep us ready to give us an urgency okay to preach the gospel we are actually in a section in the book of romans going verse by verse through that book as well as john's gospel and it's dealing with israel chapters 9 10 and 11 deal with israel it's very deep stuff I appreciate that you all keep coming back, <laughs> okay? Even though this stuff is, is deep, 
but we cannot skip over it. You need to become a Christian that doesn't pick and choose the Bible verses you want to study. Scripture is very clear, Hebrews 4.12, all Scripture is God-breathed. God breathed it out. It's all inspired by Him. Same verse says, it is all Scripture is profitable. That means God wants you to, to know all of Scripture, not just to pick and choose what you want or twist what you don't like. That's not the way this works. We come and we submit to God's Word. And so we grow in the knowledge of God. God wants us to grow in the knowledge of Him. So sometimes we, we read verses that are encouraging. Other times verses are more challenging. Sometimes they're, they're harder to grasp. But we should, wanna, we should love all of it and, and wanna, want to learn more of it, okay? So last time we were together, we saw the verses that said, you know, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We saw in chapters 9, that blew our minds away, that God knows who are going to be saved before people are even born. That's already a done deal in God's mind who's outside of time. But then we got to 10 and we saw that we are inside time and people are responsible for their choices. And it says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And then Paul said, how beautiful are the feet of the people who bring good news. Good news, the good news of the gospel that God wants to save people. God wants to save people from their sin and God wants to transform them and turn them away from their sin. This is the good news of the gospel. And so that's glorious. That, that's our job as a church, as Christians. But yet we're learning here, not everybody wants to hear our message. Not everybody wants to hear the good news. And many people are going to reject it. And we see here, Paul talks about unbelieving Israel. And today we're going to see excuses they might make. Because what was going on, the Jews had this question, why is God turning to the Gentiles? What, what, what happened with Israel? And like, like, what's God doing? Why is he turning away? And it was because... Israel turned from God. They refused to believe what was right in front of them. Now, the good news is we're going to see in 11, even though the unbelieving Israel did all this and does this, God's still not going to give up on them. And there's going to be a remnant. And God is going to open their eyes in these last days. And God could be using whatever's going on now to bring people to, to him. So uh, I want to review verse 16 through 17. The first part of verse 16 says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. Not everybody wants to obey God's good news. And I like the way it says 
obey, obey. I could do a whole sermon on how faith and obedience is simultaneous. They go together. Now, you don't, you don't obey to be saved because you're saved by grace through faith alone in Christ's work, not your work. But when you have faith in Christ, he transforms your heart and gives you a desire to obey. So somebody who is not obeying the gospel hasn't really been transformed here in the gospel. Listen to these verses. Uh, 1 Thessalonians, this is talking about the return of Christ. He says, when he comes, he's coming in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They don't obey it. Therefore, judgment comes upon them. We learned in John's gospel, John 3. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So it's believing that saves you, but then that belief turns in to obedience to the Son of God. Young, young ladies are going to be baptized today. This is the picture of it. When they go under the water, the old person dies, is gone. They come up. It, the picture is brand new to follow Christ. They might not have been obeying all of God's word, all of God's will, and all of God's ways in their past life. But now that they've come to Christ, Christ has forgiven them, and now they're going to change, and they're going to follow him and obey him. It doesn't mean that we're not going to struggle. We all struggle with sin. <clears throat> we all fall in different ways. We're never going to be perfect until we get those new bodies in heaven. The point is, though, there should be a desire in your heart when the Holy Spirit comes in and transforms your life. Uh, the last part of verse 16 says, For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Now Isaiah there is quoting from Isaiah 53. Verse 1 says, Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed, like, who's going to believe? Because Isaiah is saying, we're giving the message, but we got very few people believing it. And that's just how it works. There's always a small number. <laughs> Think about how the prophet Jeremiah felt. He was called the weeping prophet because he had no converts. His entire ministry, preaching, not one person listened and turned to God. Wow. That'd be rough. And it, it, it's a small number. And I have witnessed as a pastor, in all the craziness in our world and the way the world is going to left field, and, and, and all the craziness and chaos that's happening, 
The good news is there seems to be a revival happening. God seems to be working on people. Man, I've like seen it never before. But yet, there's still a majority in this world. They don't want to hear it. So don't be discouraged, Christians. It's just part of it. There's always going to be the small number, the remnant of true believers. But this Isaiah 53, I want to show you this. Paul quotes from this because he's kind of saying to Israel, you should have seen Jesus because they love the book of Isaiah. But listen to what verse 5 says. Tell me, class, put your thinking caps on, class, and tell me who you think this is talking about. You ready? Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. That's peace with God through the crucifixion of the cross. Uh, we are healed. We are healed spiritually. That's not talking about being healed physically. It's talking about being healed spiritually. Yes, one day we're, we're going to be healed spiritually. We're going to get brand new bodies, but that comes in heaven. But for now, God gives us spiritual healing through the cross of Christ. That is clearly talking about Jesus. So he's saying to Israel, it was right there. You should see it. Uh, when Seth, our Jewish Christian missionary, when his dad passed away, uh, uh, Murray, we preached. We, there was a Jewish crowd there, so we purposely preached Jesus through the Old Testament because we wanted people to hear the gospel because it's all over the Old Testament. And some people came to Christ. And so this is just so clear. But Israel, here he refers that they could make excuses. So let's look at these excuses today that Israel might make for rejecting the message. And these excuses apply to our world today. I hear people make these excuses today. So let's look at this. Number one, I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. Nobody told me. So somebody on judgment day, people are going to say this kind of stuff. I didn't hear it. <laughs> Nobody told me. Okay. Verse 18 of Romans 10, but I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. The truth of God is clear all over the world. Let me read, he's quoting from Psalm 19. Let me, let me, read, let me read the whole paragraph here. Listen to what it says. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. 
yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. The psalmist is saying, God's creation screams that there's a God. People, people should know everywhere. People always say, what about that guy out on the island? He, doesn't... he can look up. He can look up and know that there's a true God. And if he wants to know that true God, God will get a missionary on a boat and it will get to him. God doesn't mess up. He, he knows who his people are. He knows who want, wants him and who doesn't want him. But this amazes me. Um, you know, just think about some of the stuff that we have. We have the technology we have today, the, the telescopes we have, the stuff that show us what's going on out in outer space. It, it's just amazing. The, the universe is so big. Everything out there is moving at incredible speeds. Incredible speeds. How, how is it all in perfect working or order, moving at incredible speeds? Such an incredible speed as the earth is revolving around the sun. And the, the earth is spinning around a thousand miles an hour right now. No wonder we need coffee when we get up. <laughs> and it's like, it's like all these speeds and power... The earth weighs over six septillion tons, and it hangs on nothing. And you say, well, I went to college. Gravity holds it up. Yeah, okay. Thanks for letting me know that. Uh, what power is gravity? Who put gravity there that keeps us from flying off the earth? Have you ever thought about that? This is amazing. Do you know if the sun was any closer we'd burn up if it was any further away we'd freeze to death one percent further one percent closer chaos can't survive how did the sun get in the right spot same with the moon if the moon wasn't in the right spot we couldn't survive i could go over and over and so many things we couldn't survive our oxygen levels how did they get that way it's all screaming that there is a designer out there, and it's all moving at incredible speeds. I mean, and did you know that a, a codfish can lay nine million eggs at once? I just thought I'd throw that in, all right? <laughs> I mean, look up. Look around. Look at God's creation. Look at creatures. It's screaming that there's a God. And what Paul... What Paul is saying is the whole world should know just by looking up. But not only does God want creation to scream, he also wants his gospel to be spread throughout the earth. And that's, that is happening. That is happening in the midst of chaos. The gospel is being spread, and we know in the end it's going to spread even more. So there's no excuse for anybody who's going to say, I didn't hear it. Number two, excuse is I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it. Nobody explained it to me. Uh, Romans 10, 19. But I ask, did Israel not understand? For Moses says, 
I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. So what's he saying here? He's saying all these Jewish people had this question as, you know, why we don't understand. We don't understand why God's now turning to the Gentiles. And, and it's, it's, like, it's like he's given up on Israel. And so they're asking this question. And like, we don't understand what's going on. And so Paul tells them, Guys, it was right in your Bible. Moses, your favorite prophet Moses, told you that this was going to happen. That if you reject him, he was going to turn to other nations. Meaning the Gentiles nations. Instead of the chosen nation that was supposed to get the message to the world, he's going to turn to these foolish nations and give them grace because when they hear the message, they want it. That's why when Jesus was here, the tax collectors and the sinners, they wanted to hear the grace of God and salvation. They wanted it. But the religious mucky mucks, you know, they, they didn't want it. They were too good for it. So they're saying they don't understand, but Paul is saying it's right there in front of you. You, he's saying you don't understand it because you don't want to understand it because your heart is hard. Over the years, all these years I've been a pastor, one of the things I hear from people all the time is, uh, I'm not reading, I, I can't read, the, I don't read the Bible, I don't understand it, okay? Listen, if I can understand the Bible, anybody can understand the Bible, Okay? I know there, there are some things that are easier to understand than others. I know it's an ancient book. Sometimes we need commentary. Sometimes we need pastors to explain. But let me tell you, if you want to understand it, and you ask God to help you understand it, you can understand all of it. Some things that Deuteronomy 29, when I can't answer a question, the secret things belong to God, okay? There are some things God knows that we don't know. But for the most part, the Bibles we have, we can clearly understand it if we want to. So these guys, these people who say, I can't understand it, so I'm not going to read it. This same guy, this same guy, if he found an ancient treasure map, that was guaranteed, if you can figure out this map, you're going to find millions of dollars of treasure. But you've got to figure out what it's saying. This guy would research all the ancient language. He would research all the diagrams, everything about it. He would be consumed with seeking the answer to the treasure. Why? Because he wants the treasure so bad. And God is saying, why don't you want me? God is greater than any treasure on this earth. And in, in his kingdom are treasures unbelievable. The thing of it is, 
we don't read the Bible, we don't understand it because we just don't want to, we don't love it enough. It's not a treasure to us. That's why God says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I'll show you scriptures. Seek me like it's hidden treasure. And that's when you'll understand your Bible. So, second excuse, I didn't understand it. That's not going to work on Judgment Day. And number three, and finally, an excuse, I, I didn't need it. I didn't need it. Maybe, maybe it'd be better to say, I didn't think I needed it. I didn't think I needed it because I thought I was good enough. I thought I was okay the way I was. I thought I was trying to keep the Ten Commandments. I thought I was better than the guy down the road. But it's like they just didn't need it because they're so busy with their own self-righteousness or they're just they're seeking their sin in their, in their selfishness. Romans 10, 20 through 21. Then Isaiah is so bold to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. And what he's saying there, answering the question why God has reached the Gentiles, Isaiah prophesied about it. He says, yeah, the nations, that they don't have Bibles. They didn't have the Old Testament. So they're not looking for God. They got all these false gods. So they're not seeking God. They're, they're, but what happened was when Gentiles heard the gospel, there are many Gentiles that saw Jesus and heard his words. They needed it. They wanted it. But the religious Jews just didn't need it. So many people in our world, they just don't think they need it. They, so they miss it. They miss it. And it's a big mistake to miss the truth of God. In uh, the parable of the prodigal son that Jesus tells, one of the most famous parables, of course, the younger brother, he takes the family's inheritance and he goes and squanders it in wild living. He ends up hitting rock bottom. He doesn't love his father. He doesn't care about his father. All he cares about is partying. So he goes and squanders the entire inheritance on prostitutes, on party and whatever till he has nothing it gets so bad he hits rock bottom he's so hungry with no money that he wants to eat the pig slop he comes to his senses he starts to think but wait a minute i had it so good with my father i should have never left and so he goes back thinking i'll just be a slave i'll be a servant in my father's household that would be better than working out here with these pigs but to his surprise, when he comes home, the father's not angry. The father runs to meet him and embrace him, 
gives him grace. Gives him back his family ring and like the family credit card. It's like, hey, my son is back. It's a picture of salvation. God is the father and we just don't want him. And sometimes life gets so hard, we've got to hit rock bottom before we turn and realize God is good. But then we see that God is gracious to us, merciful, and he wants to bless us. He's not angry because his anger was put upon Jesus on the cross for our sins. So the younger son finds grace and he falls in love with his father. But the older brother, and this is really why that parable is told. We don't hear a lot about the older brother. But this is why Jesus told the parable. Because the older brother was angry. Why didn't you throw me a party? I mean, I've been doing all my chores. I've been doing everything right. My brother goes out and squanders the money. And you love him and embrace him. Me? What have you given me? And Jesus was saying, this is you religious leaders. Because the father says to the older son, he says, son, everything I have is yours. It's right here in front of you. But you don't love your brother that came home that was lost, and you don't love me. That, that's, that's what all this is saying. They just didn't need it. Didn't think they needed it. It's just so... Self-righteous. Let me, show, let me show you this one final parable that Jesus tells. I think it's so good. It, it's, it's kind of a funny parable that he tells. But he tells, he tells about a, a great banquet that the people are invited to, but they make excuses. Watch. So Luke 14 says, When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to them, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. So this guy just shouts this out. Of course, all these people are thinking kingdom on earth now. God, give us whatever we want. So Jesus tells them this parable about how people are going to miss the great banquet in heaven because they make excuses. So watch what he says, verse 16. He said to them, a man once gave a great banquet. And invited many. At the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. The picture is God is inviting Israel. Come. It's time to come to God. Verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field. And I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. I got to buy more dirt to stare at. I got things to do. I got grass to stare at. More land to buy. I'm not going to this great banquet. And by the way, these ancient people, no one would miss a banquet. Because there was nothing for them to do. It would be like you invited to the Super Bowl for your favorite team. All inclusive paid for. And you, ah, I got to stare at my, some dirt. No, you're going to go. That's why, that's, why, that's why this parable is like, these guys are like, he didn't go because he wanted to buy a field? Verse 19, and another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen 
and I go to examine them, please have me excused. I got to go stare at my cows. I got to watch them move. I ain't got time to go to this great banquet. And another said, I have married a wife, <laughs> therefore I cannot come. <laughs> I think you guys might understand that. Uh, but there are people, I wanted to come, but my wife wouldn't let me. Verse 21, so the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, and the blind, and the lame. And the servant said, sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. And it's a parable Jesus saying, open your eyes, guys. You're invited to the greatest banquet ever. But you made excuses. You live for this earth. You live for yourself. Can I tell you all, do you, do you know heaven is, is uh, all, everything's included. What do they call it? Inclusive when you go on vacation? Everything you eat and drink is for free. All the beauty of it. It's free. This is an incredible banquet that God has offered you through his son, Jesus Christ. But people make excuses and they reject it. It's so sad. So close with this story. I told this story before. Some of you heard me tell it, but I told it a couple weeks ago at the Revelation Bible study uh, on Tuesday night. And it's a story that happened uh, May 18th, 1980. Helicopters, loud sirens, foghorns, police everywhere, happened in the state of Washington, all the warnings that the volcano Mount St. Helen was going to erupt. All these sirens, all these warning, warnings, it was coming. And so everybody evacuated, but there was one stubborn guy. His name was Harry Truman. He had the same name as U.S. President, but Harry Truman, he was a K caretaker at Spirit, Spirit Lake, five miles north of the volcano. He refused to budge. He ain't going nowhere. He's like these guys in the flood zone when the police try to get him to evacuate the hurricane. Oh, I don't need to go. I got this. Some of them are still swimming. But uh, so Harry, Harry Truman, Harry Truman won't budge. His, the police begged him. They did everything but physically remove him to leave. His sister called him on the phone, begged him, please, Harry, please leave. Harry wouldn't budge. Harry grinned on national TV. He actually used God's name as a cuss word. He said, he said, I've been here. Listen, this GD mountain don't dare blow up on me. He said that in his pride. May 18th, 1980. 
Harry woke up in the morning, planted petunias around his freshly mowed lawn, fed his 16 cats. At 8.32 a.m., the volcano exploded. Did Harry have time to regret his decision? As, as mud, more than 50 feet high, covered his cats, his cabin, and his mowed lawn? Did he struggle? Most likely, he was vaporized. And then he went out into eternity. He didn't talk like he knew God. And this is so sad. You know, now, now they got out there where Mount St. Helens, they got posters and beer mugs and T-shirts. It says, the stubborn old man that would not heed the warning. You know, a lot of people in this world are like Harry Truman. They don't see the signs. It's everywhere, screaming. They don't look up. They don't look around. It's screaming. And the day is going to come when there'll be no, it'll be over, and it'll be too late. So I plead, I plead with all of you as a pastor. You stumbled in here today, and, and you don't know Jesus Christ. I don't care what sins you've committed. If you, if you call out to God and ask him to save you, God will forgive your sin, and then he will change the desires of your heart. He will help you turn away from your sin. And if, if you open your heart and embrace Jesus Christ today. We're going to share in some baptisms here today. Two young ladies that are going to testify that they've done that. That they have trusted Jesus Christ. And they're turning their life over to him to follow him. But let's pray. Let's pray. We'll sing a song and then close out with the baptisms. Uh, if you're a Christian in here, I, I hope most of you would be are Christians. That's why you're here. And as a true Christian, just, just pray to God. Just ask God to give you an urgency with everything going on in our world and everything that's happening. We need, to, we need to wake up a little bit. We need to be more urgent. It's so important that we live for Christ and we give a testimony to our unbelieving family and friends so that they'll want to be attractive. They'll want to see that what we have. And they'll ask us about our hope. Why do you... Why have you changed? What is your hope? They'll want what you have. So live for Christ. And may, may we as a church continue to work together to spread the gospel to this lost community. If, and again, if you're here and you're not a Christian, just now, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Say, Jesus Christ, I understand you've died for me. Please forgive me. Come into my life. Help me to turn from my sin, my selfishness. Help me to follow you. Father, thank you. Oh, God, what a privilege it is to know you. God, to be your children. 
in the midst of this chaotic world, God, you're sovereign. We thank you for that. God, we pray for Israel, that beautiful place, God, that's kind of been corrupted by false religion and so much other stuff. But thank you that you'll never give up on your people. And you're going to be working on hearts to bring about a remnant there. Watch over Seth. Protect him, Lord, as he's making a great sacrifice even to be there with his family because he wants to do your will. You've called him to be there to share your gospel. So be with him. Protect him. Watch over him and his family. God, help us to do our part where you have us over here. We thank you for our church. God, thank you for your word. What treasure it is, God. Forgive us that we don't realize what a treasure your precious word is. We thank you for all these things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. We'll sing a worship song, and then we'll witness the baptisms, and then we'll let you go.